0: Hey everybody, it's Father Edward Looney here. I am so excited because I recently received my latest order from Sock Religious. I ordered the He is Risen socks in order to celebrate Easter. And we know that Easter is not just one Sunday out of the year, but we have several Sundays of Easter that I'll be able to wear these socks as I celebrate Mass. If you are looking for the perfect gift for First Communion or Confirmation, Make it sock religious. You'll be sharing the gift of faith with whoever you gift them to. For more information, find the link in the show notes to order your socks today from Sock Religious, whether they're for yourself or as a gift. My name is Father Edward Looney, and you're listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. Today, I'm happy to be speaking about a topic that I think needs to be addressed in society and our families, and that is the topic of addiction. Today, I'm speaking with Bobby Newman, who is a drug and alcohol intervention specialist. He himself went through rehabilitation and now is helping others to be set free from the addiction and slavery that they experience. So welcome to How They Love Mary, Bobby Newman.
1: Hi, good morning. Thank you very much.
0: You know, so that's one of the big things these days. And actually with the pandemic, probably addictions have gone up. You know, people are at home more and maybe even... Uh, addictions have been exposed, that something that was hidden might now be seen by family. I, I guess maybe the the first thing would be, what are some common signs of addiction for a person? Maybe if you're saying, maybe I'm addicted to something. Well, what's the first signs for us to begin to recognize
1: that? Well, you know, usually, um, you know, by the time I get involved, it's uh been going on for many years even often decades uh and you know and then people still with the un of inability to confront the situation they um question themselves about whether they're overreacting etc and I've, i've given you kind of a long answer but i think it's going to apply because you know people often wait till they the person overdoses or they end up in the hospital or some really really near tragic or even often tragic event before they realize, wait a minute, this person's had problems or got a problem. And the truth is is they started seeing the signs a long time ago. You know, the person starts making bad decisions or they start hanging out with the wrong crowd or they start, you know, items start coming up missing from your house, or, you know, or the person is, you know, oftentimes living at home and they're not working and they're not contributing and they're basically a big introvert. Um, and contributing antisocial characteristics. And all those are signs of there's something going on. And, you know, and, and a lot of times when families ask me, um, I don't know how bad he is, or I don't know how, what he's addicted to. And, you know, those are important pieces of information, but they're not necessarily, I mean, if you took away um, the drugs let's just, or alcohol, just take it out of the picture completely, look at the person's behavior, is that okay? And they'll say no. And I say, okay, then that's this person needs a lifestyle change. They are straying away and we need to get them back on course or we need to, you know, do everything we can to it because it's only going to get worse. So the signs are like, you know, they're going to be making the friends they hang around with, the type of people, uh, their activity, their reaction to you when you're, you know, asking questions or trying to find out what's going on. And they're a lot of times the person will lash out at you or Items will come up missing, their their personal appearance will uh you know suffer, uh, their personal health will suffer, they'll they'll lose friends that they've had for years, they'll stop being involved in the activities that they normally would be, they'll they'll start losing interest in life. So those are just a few. <laughs> wow. And there are
0: lots of different types of addiction, and I think we see that especially with AA, that. But- or the anonymous branches of addiction. So, you know, there's Alcoholics Anonymous, there's Narcotics Anonymous, there's Sex Anonymous, I believe, you know, so there are greater addictions. You know, we commonly think of alcohol, we think of drugs. Uh, What are some of the other addictions that people might struggle with?
1: Well, I think that anything uh, that, you know, I had a guy who was a pretty heavy drinker on the weekends asked me one time, he said, did you think I have a problem? I said, you know, you're the one that can answer that question because I witnessed this person, he was in the military and he was family oriented. He was very career oriented. And I said, when you put one thing, you know, this thing and, you know, drugs or, or alcohol or, you know, hanging out with your friends and barbecuing and doing all those things. Uh, and then in one hand and you put, uh, you know, everything else that matters in the other hand, your family, your job, your you know, your those you know, you're able to, the ability to sustain yourself and your, your lifestyle and go down the path that you want to go. But all those things that matter in one hand, and then these other, you know, addictions in the, in, 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 in the other hand, then that would indicate that you have a problem. So, you know, again, to answer your question, back to answering your question is like, I've had people that would, you know addicted to work or addicted to gambling or addicted to uh you know we all we all kind of seek to have a, a higher sense of enlightenment and through spirit through spirituality or you know some people are um you know into the i don't know mma or uh, physical fitness or or uh you know and, I mean, those could you might not necessarily consider those to be an addiction but uh uh anything that takes away from those things in life that you truly should be paying attention to. I hope that answers your question.
0: Yeah, I think so. Definitely. And, you know, one of the things is you yourself struggled with addiction and so you went through rehab and I guess, could you just share a little bit of your own personal story?
1: Well, I grew up in a small uh, rural Oklahoma town and, um, very uh, in the Bible belt. And, uh, you know had a strong moral upbringing you know we had to work you know we as kids we weren't given an allowance or anything i mean we were provided for very well but it was like you, if you wanted money you had to work for it and um you know i had to haul spent the <laughs> back in the day i spent a lot of hours on the back of a hay truck putting hay in a barn and that's how i made my money in high school and college and then i went to work as a uh, a metal worker a sheet metal worker and I, I grew up and i went through trade school but I, uh started you know we there was a big like you know uh drugs and smoking marijuana and things like that were a big or taboo they used did not do those things but alcohol seemed to be okay so in order to fit in and you know kind of get a false sense of courage and confidence i you know we would you know it was, it was uh drinking was okay so you could or you know not necessarily uh that frowned upon as, as the other things were so i started drinking at probably 14 or 15 years old and you know it got to be where it's pretty frequent hanging out with my friends we would go on camping trips or fishing we would get somebody to buy us some alcohol and um and then as i got towards my senior year in high school i started smoking marijuana and you know i'd been told all these things well back when i was younger you know in the late 60s early 70s uh you know lsd was a big uh, big thing and there were some kids that got into LSD in our neighborhood where I grew up and uh, they, I, I think it did some permanent damage to them and you know people, my parents would always say if you do drugs you're going to end up like that kid. And so when I smoked marijuana and I was hanging out with my friends the first time I did it, we, we didn't end up like that kid. We actually giggled and had a lot of fun and did stupid silly things and and so of course we wanted to do it again. and. Uh, that's unfortunately what happens to kids these days they see their friends doing it nothing bad happening so they're more likely to do it again and um so then when i went to college to play football um got introduced to uh amphetamines and it was a pharmaceutical amphetamine that uh uh, you know i could take it part of it we would go out on thursday night in college we would go out and you know go to the dance hall or you know go to the club and and um so I found out that I could take this part of this amphetamine and, and uh, stay out most of the night, you know, drinking and carrying on and then get up the next day and go to class and take the other part of the uh, capsule and, you know, really go throughout the day and feel fine and not be that hungover because of the uh, stimulant effect. And so then I got to doing that on Thursday night and then Saturday night and then Thursday, Friday and Saturday night and just got to be where it's more and more frequent and eventually got became addicted to methamphetamine. And then by the time I'm 35 years old I had went back and forth and um, I just got in a lot of trouble. I mean I, I get, would get in trouble periodically with you know like a DUI or you know some sort of um, incident and but when I was 35 years old I got in some very, very serious trouble and I uh, was put on probation and did not get through the probation without violating. And that's when I realized, wait a minute, I need to go get some help. So that's how it went for me. I mean, I'm I'm lucky to be here, lucky to have the opportunity to help other people because uh, not only did I almost end up in uh, prison for a long time, I I OD'd a few times and had some near-death experiences that were related to drug uh, dealings and things like that. So
0: you came to the realization that you needed help Uh and other times family realizes someone needs help and actually uh, i have a relative that struggles with some addiction uh you know really has been involved with meth and the sale of meth and all of these things Uh and you know he does jail time he gets out but the system really doesn't help him because they just throw him back onto the streets and he can't find a job. And so then he really just gets back into that lifestyle. And it's kind of this cyclical thing. And, you know, we've tried to help him. We've tried to get him clothing, you know, when he got released the first time to make sure that he had clothes and uh, that he would be able to go to job interviews, things like that. So,
1: um,
0: Uh, What, what are ways that family members, if you see someone that has an issue, you know, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a brother or sister, whoever it is in your family, how do you interject or how do you intervene to say, maybe you need to get some
1: help? Well, I get told again, I'm I'm prone to give long answers. Um, so uh, forgive me for that, but, um, I just an example. I get told all the time by when I go to do interventions by the addict. Oh, I could do this on my own, right? I'm like, okay, good. I mean, it's great that you recognize you have a problem and you need to do something about it. But um, you know, just because you go get help doesn't mean that you're not doing it on your own. What do you mean by that? I said, well, I mean anybody that does anything in life. I mean, you learn how to play a piano, or you learn how to weld, or you learn how to. You know, build a rocket, you you go somewhere to learn from someone else what it takes to do it. you You surround yourself with those type of people, right? So for you want to be by yourself when and try to overcome something as monumental as addiction, then it seems doesn't really it's not a rational way of doing it. And, and well, I don't know what you're talking about. they'll say. I said, well, do you know anything about overcoming addiction? No, I mean, what would, would you, uh, I said, then I'll say, okay, well, and then, so these, to, so to answer the question about a family member, you know, getting the person to understand the barriers that would prevent permanent recovery, and the person to, would be the first step, them becoming educated about what this person, they're asking this person to do, so then they can then inform the person, well, these are the things you need to do. That's what some, I run into with a lot of folks, is they, they don't necessarily want to confront the information that they need to know to be able to confront the problem. And so if they knew, like, that's one of the things about what that we try to do with our, our organizations that we've just now um, started, you know, we kicked it off this year. It's called angel life and sober coaching. And what we do is hope to be able to educate people on the barriers to overcoming addiction, which are cravings, depression, and guilt, the likelihood, I mean, if you can't overcome those three things, the likelihood you're going to stay sober is next to impossible. Um, Now, obviously, in a church setting and in a, you know, spiritual aspect, the person can uh, reach out and, you know, experience some relief. A lot of times the person, particularly with the 12-step program, will ask for forgiveness from others that they've caused harm to but they don't necessarily know how to forgive themselves. And that's something that, you know, we could actually help the person with. Um, But, you know, again, overcoming the three things, the uh, cravings, depression, and guilt, um, and helping that person learn how to do that would be what I would tell families.
0: Sure. And we're talking in a faith perspective as well, that, you know, our belief in God, the power of Jesus and the gospel really can assist people in addressing addiction, you know, Jesus came and he said, I've come so that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He has come to set prisoners free as um, the prophecy says, as he proclaims it in the synagogue. So when we're dealing with addiction, people are trapped in slavery to something. And so how have you seen faith kind of uh, help people uh, address the issue of addiction?
1: I have seen for myself personally, I had, did not go, I grew up in the church, you know, in a Christian church and, uh, you know, for about 15 years, I had not been to a church for anything other than a wedding or a funeral. You know, I wasn't there for spiritual enlightenment or, or fulfillment, uh, and to further my connection with God. I just, uh, you know, anyway, I, I but the, when I started coming back to, I, I say coming back to life my the numbing of the drugs, and I was basically being freed, I uh, started wanting to go to church, I started wanting to be around those people. And so um, I would, I would encourage people that are struggling with addiction to surround themselves with those that they are know to have their best intentions in mind. And I hope that that answers your question. If it doesn't, please, you know, because I would encourage people to, again, go to church, be around, you know, even though it's it's it, you, looking back in my own out viewpoint uh, of being able to, I couldn't even walk in the door because I felt shame and I felt embarrassed and I felt like this is not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm um, uh, had, uh, I had, uh, you know, kind of got the idea that I didn't belong there. And so they need to disabuse themselves and need to not, you know, feel that way because that's exactly what that place is for. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. You almost feel like if you go to church and you have these things that you are doing you kind of feel unholy, you might feel like a hypocrite being there, but we know that in the Gospels, though, again, Jesus draws himself to sinners and tax collectors, and he he sets free, you know, a prostitute, or he he his Gospel is meant for everyone, and so we begin to realize how his Gospel can be a healing balm for us, and that uh, uh, it really can be a way for us to address those issues in our life and and sometimes faith can replace those addictions so okay if you're going out to the bar every night well what can you do in those two hours well maybe you take up reading maybe you'd read the (laughs) scriptures read a spiritual book yeah um if you feel tempted to go for a glass or to go on the internet and look at something bad well then you know in our catholic tradition i'd say grab a rosary pray the rosary and ask uh, Mary's prayers for that, and so you can almost substitute faith uh, in that place of the addiction itself.
1: That is such a true, uh, that is so true, and, you know, I, even myself, I, if I find myself, I mean, I have, I've been sober now for over 20 years, but even now, I try to find my time as trying to make better myself constantly. And if I look, even sitting down and watching a TV show, I'll sit down and go, is this going to further enlighten me? Is this going to, what is this going to, what am I going to get out of this other than wasted an hour or 30 minutes or whatever? And I go, well, okay. That decides that I'm not doing it. Because it's not going to. So yes, I mean, they should take up other things that's going to constantly improve themselves. And it may, uh, because, um, nothing my philosophy is nothing ever stays the same it either is continually improving or it's going to get start declining so that you know that constantly improving yourself and and even getting the practice of opening up you know and reading a scripture and, and maybe even practicing one particular scripture to um you know and obviously this is where you come in and come in uh you know uh as a Spiritual leader, you know, you come in and say, Okay, we're gonna, you know, uh, or maybe give this person some guidance. And I, I, I don't mean to try to tell you what your, <laughs> your role is, I'm just throwing things out there. If this person would practice one thing for a week until they, it becomes a habit, right, and then practice another thing that's going to improve their life and their overall, you know, well being, then and, and 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 they'll find that in the scripture, you know, it's that's what it's there for. So Does that make sense?
0: Yes, definitely. And I'm just thinking about individuals that suffer from addiction and, you know, what is their path forward? Well, maybe the first path forward is going to an Alcoholic Anonymous meeting or a Narcotics Anonymous meeting. Maybe that's the first thing that's what you kind of recognize. I need help. And we know that Alcoholics Anonymous is a very faith-based organization. Um, and, And so perhaps that's the first step, but, you know... I guess I'm wondering, too, you know, you have Newman Interventions. So, you know, what is the role of your, your ministry, your, your work uh, in helping people? So does someone come to you and say, I need help? Or how, how does that all work, I guess?
1: Well, people reach out to us. They'll reach out to us and say, hey, I need help. Or a family member will call and say, hey, my dad or my mother or brother or sister, or son or daughter, they'll call and say, I, you know, my, my loved one is struggling and I need help. And so the first thing we would do is find out what type of resources they have to be able to get the person into treatment. Because usually by the time they're calling me, whether it's the addict themselves or, you know, the family members, um, you know, it's been going on for quite a while and it's quite pronounced. I mean, there, there's the impending doom that's coming, like, you know, some sort of serious consequence Um, that's either already happened or is going to happen and so they call and so it's usually a matter of like pretty it's kind of pretty much an emergency so we the first thing we do is we look and see okay what kind of resource do we have to find you a treatment program because we're going to recommend inpatient treatment Um, it's just that people that are particularly here's a couple ideas 12-step great program got a lot of great friends that, that have you know they follow that but Sometimes with the younger people, uh, they don't necessarily have the social skills to. Um, they don't necessarily have the social skills to, uh, you know, stand up in a group and, and confront these things and properly communicate and things like that. So they're going to need uh, the ability to even gain those skills. So we'll look and see and kind of figure out, well, this is the best path for this person for the long-term sobriety. Um, and we look at their, what type of insurance they have or you know any type of other resources. And then we work out from there, okay, how do we move forward to get the family together to where they can actually confront this person and get their willingness to get help. I actually have, I do uh, where I would fly out and work with the family and put together a plan Uh, or I have an online course that they can do, or we have some free material too that would help a person learn how to confront their family member effectively. And I don't mean confront like in a negative way. I mean, I'm talking about just dealing with the problem. So um, we have a lot of information that way. So the first thing we do is try to line up a program and what's going to be the best fit for them based on their resources and then work out to them how with them how to get into that program or get their loved one into that program.
0: And you recently started, as you mentioned, Angel Life Coaches, which I kind of like the name, uh, kind of makes me think of like the guardian angels. Jesus says in the gospels that each one of us has an angel that that adores the face of God for us in heaven. And so, um, you know, in a sense, uh, I would assume that this is kind of like a mentor person, someone that you check in with, someone that's going to help you on the path to recovery.
1: Yeah, we do. That's the thing that we started is we've actually put together a curriculum that would then uh, identify, you know, do an assessment with this person and then figure out what their immediate problems are, what the immediate things that they need to address, you know, and then we work out a plan with them. Okay, because, you know, coaching is not counseling. Counseling is looking back and figuring out, okay, how did you get into this situation? And uh, coaching is setting goals and looking forward. And so we, you know, this primarily would be for someone that, you know, if we would try to work with someone who, uh, you know, said, hey, I've got a problem and I've got a job and I've got three kids and I can't, I got to have the, money," you know, I, we would try to work with someone in that situation. But you normally this is for someone who's gone through a program and now just needs some continual stability to, to go ahead and carry out their after treatment plan but either way we would work initially we would do the assessment find out what we needed and then uh set goals of what we wanted short-term goals and long-term goals and then work towards and put a plan in place and it would usually be uh it's a 10-week program uh two hours a week i mean that could be that's typically what it is i mean it could be modified uh and then we would be with people such as myself or other like-minded people that we could uh, get involved to, to help get this person from where they are now to where they are i you know we determine what is their ideal scene in life right and we start working towards that ideal scene
0: i think you know some of my big takeaways from today are you know if you're a person that's struggling don't be afraid to get help reach out to someone reach out to your family Maybe if you're a family member and you know someone who's struggling, well, don't be afraid to confront that person because you're only going to help them in the long run in order to find freedom. And so uh, I'm very grateful for our conversation today about uh, addiction because this is something that I think afflicts so many people and whether it's personally or they know someone who is struggling with addiction. So I think that what we've talked about today is only the beginning for some people to to learn more and to uh, study addiction, to to find out how a person can really be set free and how you can help with that or if that is yourself. So thanks so much for joining me today, Bobby Nelson.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Yeah. And maybe lastly, if people want to learn more about you and the work you're doing, what what are some links or something that you would recommend them to check out?
1: Uh, my website is newmaninterventions.com, N-E-W-M-A-N, interventions, with an S on the end, .com. And then our number is 866-989-4499. Uh, you can call that number and uh, tell them how you heard about us. And there's going to be a couple of people that work for me that uh, work with me that won't be answering the phone. And just I heard you on the uh, podcast today. And uh, I wanted to find out more and I have some questions and then uh, you will be, we will set up a time to talk. So yeah, again, newmaninterventions.com or 866-989-4499.
0: And let us all unite in prayer for all those who are suffering from addiction. Let us pray for them that they might experience the freedom that Christ wants to offer them. Join me again next week for another episode of How They Love Mary. You have been listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. If you don't mind, please leave a review of How They Love Mary on Apple Podcasts. Share the podcast with your family or your friends. It's available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher, or wherever people find their podcasts. And if you don't mind, please give me a follow on social media at the handle at fredwardlooney. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, let's remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.